Has God ever made you a promise? (laughs) Of course he has. He's made many promises to you, and he means them. Well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever noticed that we seem to be far more comfortable trusting God to do things like, you know, hold the universe together, uh, hold the molecular structure of everything in his hands, keep the ocean from overrunning the land, things like that, then we are entrusting him to meet the promises that he's made to us. Why do you think that is? I believe it's honestly really because we don't know who God is or that we don't believe he is who he says he is. This is the reason that we're returning to our series now on Hallowed, looking into the names of God, the way that he introduced himself to mankind. What did God say about himself by the names he chose to use to reveal his very nature? As you know, throughout Scripture, God uses different names to express His nature. It's kind of like a greeting, a handshake. Hi, I'm Michael. Hi, I'm a doctor. Hi, I'm a pastor. Hi, I'm a... He's telling you about Himself with each name He uses in Scripture. It's that simple. The problem is not knowing Hebrew, the language in which he originally expressed himself to mankind, we have a hard time grasping the meanings of these names. That's why we're here today. We are going to look into each name, look into the traits and attributes that are expressed in those names, and learn how to apply that knowledge to our relationship with him so that we can grow in the knowledge and grace of God. Today, with a very, very special friend of mine, we're going to be digging deep into one of those names. I'm so excited about what's going to happen today. I have looked forward to this for a very long time. The gentleman that we'll be speaking to here in a few moments is one of my closest friends and has been for decades. And I am just so excited to have him. His name is Scott Lewis. I'm going to tell you more about him later and I'll have him introduce himself here in a moment. But uh, I have been blessed to meet countless people in my time and I have enjoyed most of those meetings. However, there's only a handful of people who really stick around and are what I would call friends. I take friendship very seriously. And one of the things I love about Scott Lewis is that he does as well. He is like a brother to me, and we've been close for a very long time, and uh, I am so thankful to have him with us. Grab your notebook, grab your Bible. You're going to love this today. This is a very special episode of Landline. I'm Michael Land, and this is Landline. As I said a moment ago, um, a very close friend of mine, uh, Scott Lewis, is with us today. Scott, I'm glad you're here, buddy. Um, 
I have introduced you just a little bit by saying that you are somebody who's very important to me. Years ago, probably around somewhere around 1995, was it? Uh, I was living in Nevada and I went to Southern California to visit uh, some family. And while we were there, I visited a church and there was a young and vibrant worship leader there who, uh, uh, the moment I listened to him and uh, listened to him do what he was called to do, I felt very strongly that this guy was the real deal. And I went back to Nevada, not thinking too much about it, but over the next month or two, I could not get this guy off my mind. Um, and I prayed about it because I, I'm, I didn't, I thought I was going crazy, but. I finally came to the conclusion that God wanted me to go to Southern California and learn from this man. And so I have a lot of respect for him. And Scott, I got to tell you, the, the most intense and I, thing that I remember most that you ever taught me was when you were teaching at Vision Bible College and we did that series on the uh, letters to the Corinthians. I will never forget that. That has impacted me deeply. But Scott, welcome to Landline. I'm so glad you're here, buddy. Um Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Mike. It's uh, good to be around. Um, we worked uh, we worked together for several years, and man, we had uh, we had some we had some great times. There is nobody in this whole world, no matter what mood I'm in, no matter how I'm feeling, Mike can always make me bust a laugh and just <laughs> side splitting. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of one of those relationships where, uh, you, you might not, we didn't spend a lot of time together, but no matter, uh, what distance we were, uh, every time we would get together or talk on the phone, it would just be like picking up from where we left off. Just, uh, very close, very dear friends. Uh, Mike made, uh, my uh, transition into uh, Southern California, just, uh, so much easier. Um. Uh, been working in ministry uh, for over 40 years now, uh, and you know one of the great things that uh, I enjoy about the ministry is getting to teach the Word of God. And when we can get to that point where we expand somebody's knowledge about the Word of God and, and some of this Christian ease that we use too often, and we can get uh, somebody to the point where they have one of those aha moments and then a lot of things that they've heard and understood all of a sudden they all come together and they fit together that's one of the greatest uh excitements that i have in my life and uh man it's just a privilege to be here man i'm glad you're here this means a lot to me i'm, I'm i've been just bouncing off the walls today waiting to record with you uh where where are you now you're in uh the pacific northwest uh, I am on a little island off the coast of Washington called Whidbey Island, and it's uh, beautiful. I think uh, we were at uh, 60 degrees today and uh, maybe about 40% humidity. Uh, it was this clear blue sky, and I'm just really, really loving God's creation. So many beautiful things. 
Hey, man, you send me pictures every once in a while, and I'm so jealous. I, I love being on the coast, and I love uh, all the sights and sounds and even the smells of being next to the water. And so uh, yeah. uh, I, it's it's funny. You send me pictures of the uh, the ocean there, and I can, I can hear in my head, I can hear bells in the background. Don't you make a joke. I can hear bells in the background. I can hear seagulls. It's, it's amazing. I love it. Well, I uh, have been kind of teaching a series. I call it Hallowed, uh, for obvious reasons, setting the name of God apart. <clears throat> and I believe, and I'm just going to throw this out here before we start talking about what we've discussed, uh, I believe that God chose to use multiple names in Scripture in order to introduce himself in a way that people could understand. The problem is that we speak English and our our language is not, it doesn't go hand in hand with the Hebrew in which the uh, Old Testament was originally written. So we miss a lot of the meanings of these names. We look at, we look at the Old Testament, we, it says God or God Almighty, or it says the Lord, but we don't really know all of the facets of what that really means. So I've asked you to come on and talk to me today a little bit about El Shaddai, uh, the name of God, El Shaddai. It's kind of his introduction. He introduced himself to Abraham that way in uh, Genesis 17, verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, or he actually said, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. One of the uh, interesting things about the um, original languages is uh, the, the languages were so pi picturesque, uh, they had uh, multifaceted meanings in one, one word meant several things put together, and we have lost a lot of that translation, uh, uh, converting it to, to English. And when we talk about El Shaddai, I mean, the, probably the most common or the most well-known idea of that is the all-sufficient one. We could break that down, suggesting um, one who pours out uh, to heap benefits, one who provides uh, provision and sustenance and blessing. And I think that's one of the most common understandings of the word El Shaddai. But you know, Mike, uh, El Shaddai has so much more in depth to it. So that's, but that's a good jumping off place for us to start today. I love it. I love it. You know, it's, as I've been looking into the names of God, my faith has increased so much, uh, especially when I looked at El Shaddai, you, you think about the way we're taught in Sunday school, you know, we see all the pictures and the flannel graphs. I don't think they use flannel graphs anymore, but I'm aging myself. We see all the pictures and we uh, we sing the little songs and stuff and we learn the little stories. But once you actually start to grasp the names of God and what they mean, you start to see God in a different way. You start to, is it any wonder that Jeremiah could say, oh, Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. And there's nothing too hard for you. Knowing who God is by the way he introduced himself helps our faith to just blossom and we have no doubts. It's so much easier to trust in God when you really know who he is. Yeah, that's true. 
in in the modern translations and the English translations, we uh, you know again we we lose a lot of that. The 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 mighty one of God, the uh, Shaddai or Shaddai, it, it it suggests absolute power. It it suggests one who conquers, uh, the all sufficient sustainer, the one, and we put that in New Testament terms. And the one, it, he is the God who overcomes. Mm. So we put that in New Testament terms, and we understand that in the the, uh, the introduction of Jesus into our lives, we understand that sin is no longer a controller over us because because the death of Christ has made that sufficiency for us. He conquered hell. He took the keys to death and the grave, and he conquered that. He set captivity free and made a show of the devil of satan openly triumphing over over that in us and now we have that ability in the new testament sense now we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our confession or the word of our testimony but back in the old testament just the way he introduced himself i am el shaddai that was an all-encompassing i have met every obstacle I have defeated every barrier. I am the all-sufficient. I am the all-sustainer. I am your all-in-all. I have absolute power. Nothing that you desire can be found apart from me, but Mm. everything that you desire can be found in me. And I think that that's uh, just a marvelous understanding of this. That's incredible. It really is. When you start to see that and you start to think about that in that way, the Bible talks about how he sees the end from the beginning. He sees the beginning from the end. He's outside of space and time. So if you think about it, every moment in time, it doesn't pass for him. It's just there. It just exists. Therefore, when he was introducing himself to Abram, as the Almighty, as El Shaddai, as the all-sufficient one, as you described, as the one who's met and overcome, he had. The resurrection to him was existent at that time because he right. he is without time. He is outside of time. Therefore, he's not bound by space and time. So when he introduced himself to, to Abram as the, the God Almighty, as the sufficient one, the overcoming God, he was already the overcoming God. He, it wasn't yet to happen for him. It was right, right there. Exactly. And a, a lot of times we try to put these limitations and based on our own understanding. And, and sadly, the church as a whole has, has stopped teaching the power of God. There's more of a focus on the New Testament in the modern day church. And we've lost a lot of the impact, the import of these multifaceted names. Now, another facet of the term El Shaddai is one who nourishes, one who supplies, one who satisfies. And so combined with the word for God, El, now it becomes the mighty one who is able to nourish, to satisfy, to supply, to pour out every benefit. And so now we have this New Testament concept that God pours out these benefits and these blessings upon us. We go back into Psalms where David is talking about God, my supplier, and even in the 23rd Psalm, the scripture says is right under the nose of the enemy, God is going to pour out this 
magnanimous blessing, this this overcoming, this overwhelming, all-supplying, all-nurturing. He's going to pour out this banquet feast right under the nose of our enemies. Mm. And, you know, Mike, I think that has a lot to do with the strengthening of our faith because I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried when things aren't going right. Through time, we have developed this root of faith, this belief system, and we begin to understand the attributes of God. And now he's my all-sufficient one. He's my all-sustaining, all-nourishing, all-satisfying, all-supplying. And now when I think in terms of God the Father, I see this myriad of things that I've really never understood, but it's all contained in this one name for God. Hi, this is Palin. We want to thank you for joining us on Lent. Your host is my dad, Michael Land. Our theme music is by Todd Benjamin from his album, Understanding. All bumper music is edited by Michael Land. Landline is an audio outreach of Foundation Christian Ministries. Our goal is to reach as many people for Jesus as he allows us to, and Landline is one way we can do that. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family on social media. The more people who regularly listen to Landline, the more podcast platforms will carry us. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, please send an email to landline at foundationchristianministries.com. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the message. understanding of this term El Shaddai and this all-powerful, all-sustaining, all of the things that we've talked about, there's an also an understanding or interpretation or a, a line of thought where the term El Shaddai also includes the idea of one who does not complete creation. And we go back into Genesis, we understand that there were two trees that Adam and Eve were forbidden, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And we're reading through that story, and we understand that um, Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And then there was a discussion that was recorded uh, that 
talks about, well, if they eat of the tree of life, they're going to be just like us. And so this idea of the God who does not complete creation, we understand from the story that uh, at, at, at that point, there was a separation, sin had entered, and there was a separation between the fellowship of Adam and Eve and God. They were removed out of the garden, lest they eat of the tree of life and be like one of them. But then in that same context, we look over in the book of Revelation where he's talking to the churches, and now he's saying, now at this point in time, I'm going to give you of the tree of life so you will become like one of us. Wow. And so the idea of the completion of that upon Christ's return, and this puts a whole new emphasis on the idea, I am going to rule and reign with him forever. At that point, we understand that everything is going to change for us. When Christ returns, everything changes for us. The whole thing, no more sickness, sorrow, sadness. We will know him as he knows us. Hmm. And the whole context of that, now all of a sudden, the blessed hope of the church of Christ coming back is more than just kind of a, uh, a safe haven or a fail safe for me. Or, you know, I can go there and instead of going to hell but the more important part of that is i am going to have eternal fellowship i will walk in the cool of the day i will have that eternal fellowship and you know i've, I've sent some pictures here by the by the side of the ocean and i can see in my mind's eye just walking together in that beautiful scenery on the side of the ocean and walking together and having that eternal relationship and that eternal fellowship with God. And I'm kind of interested in this line of thought and, and these suggestions about how God is going to complete what he started when Christ returns to claim his bride. And it's a, it's a very interesting line of thought. That is so amazing to me, because if you think about, and again, God knew the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. So when way back in the beginning when he was introducing himself as El Shaddai he already knew that he was going to send Jesus to rebuild that relationship with mankind back oh, definitely. when Adam and Eve committed sin in the garden God already had his plan in place to send the Messiah and so if you think about it, exactly what you're saying it's this cycle is already forming in that He's coming full circle. The walking in the cool of the day with Adam in the garden, walking in the cool of the day when he comes back, we're going to be one with him. We're going to be united with him. We're going to be with him for eternity. And all of the mess in between is going to be irrelevant. That's true. And praise God for that. All of this, all of this mess goes away. And we sometimes suffer from the mind playing games and talking to us and, and the enemy using circumstances. And the deeper our relationship goes with Christ, we understand that it is to increase the fellowship that we can have here on earth. Because he's the one that promised us the abundant life. Mm. He, he, he said, I will do exceedingly abundant, uh, abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. Well, when do I need the exceeding abundance? I don't need it after Christ returns because I'm a joint heir. I'm going to be 
I need it now. Yeah. I need that abundant blessing. I need that abundant living. I need the abundant overcoming. But now I have this in the Old Testament. I am God, the all-sufficient one. <laughs> and now in the New Testament, he's saying, I've already made provision, things that you can't even ask or imagine. You don't have any idea what I've got in store for you. But in the meantime, I've got this abundance of blessing that if you will stay faithful, if you will keep your heart and mind right, it's the same thing he told Abraham, to continue to walk in this blameless mode. And it's mm -hmm. not that, I'm not saying that we have this perfection, but we have a bent. And as there's no neutral ground, we are either bent towards God or we're bent towards evil. And the more that we grow, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, as we grow in our understanding, then all of these attributes of God become significant players in our lives. And all of the noise that we get from our mind, you know, God's left you, he's picking on you, he's just out to, and we understand that that's all an attack from the enemy. But that we have from the very basis, from the very beginning, we have this concept of El Shaddai, mm -hmm. the one who protects, nourishes, supplies, overcomer, conqueror. That's the God that we serve. Yeah. That's the God that, uh, that's the God with the strength of his right arm raised Jesus from the dead. Wow. That's the same God that when the trumpet sounds, he's going to send his son to collect the bride of the church and together with him, we'll, we're going to do the very thing that he said that he was. We're going to rule and reign with him forever and forever because he is El Shaddai. Oh, that's awesome. You know, we talk about the trouble in the meantime, the trouble in the middle. There's the start and there's the end, but there's the trouble in the middle. And it's in John 16 where Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. There is nothing too hard for God. There's nothing that he can't overcome. And I don't know, I kind of like to think that God has a little bit of a sense of humor. I mean, look oh, at yeah. me. I, I think of it and I, I can kind of picture a little twinkle in Jesus's eye when he says that, because it's like, look, you have no idea what's coming. You have no idea when you get in the midst, the as you used to say, when you're in the thick middle of it, when you're in the thick middle of the trouble, when, right. when everything is going on, just like when they got onto a boat and he said, let's cross over to the other side. And the big storm came along and everybody was terrified. And they said, don't you care that we are about to die? And Jesus was asleep in the boat. It wasn't that he didn't care that they were about to die. He wasn't worried. Why? Because he knew they had a destination. He didn't say, let's go to sea. He didn't say, let's go for a sail. He said, let's cross over to the other side. He gave them a destination. And if God gives you a destination, he's going to see you to that destination. He's not going to abandon you in the middle. Be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. When these troubles, when these waves crash against you, when uh, everything is howling around you and you're terrified and everything in, in, your, in your person says, I should be terrified. That's the peace that passes all understanding. When your mind says, this should really be freaking me out, but I can be of good cheer for he's already overcome the world. You know, Mike, I, I have to make a confession that I've not really achieve that mark in my life when trials and circumstance come along that that i'm of good cheer you know i still get worried i still stress i i still 
think of all of the possibilities. But Mike, it's like you said, he has a destination for each one of us. And, and the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. Mm. Just like he said from the beginning, he is going to watch over his word to perform it. Why do we need a revelation in our life? Why do we need the vision? Is because when there's no destination and there's no purpose and goal in our lives, that, that literally means we cast off restraint. Mm. We start troubling ourselves with all of the what ifs and you know well i serve god so this should be i should have a easy life i should have a wonderful life and the idea of being in good cheer about that has to come back from that deep established root in your life that says god has a purpose and a destination for my life and he's gonna watch over not only my life but everybody else's life to make sure that the pathway is clear for me to get to the destination that he has got in store for me. Eight billion people, God is moving and changing and, and shaping the world so I can get from where I'm at to my destination. <laughs> and in all of that, that eight billion people in the world, God on a daily basis is organizing the steps of my life so that somebody is going to cross my path. Somebody is going to intersect with my life. Have you ever been like walking in a in a crowded mall or and just somebody just bumps into you? Mm -hmm. That's the that's the concept that scripture says that when somebody bumps into us that the power of God, the anointing of God is going to overflow from our lives to their lives god's bringing one person across my path for the very fact that he has put a word in my mouth a word in my heart he has brought me through something because when i cross paths with that one person i'm going to be able to speak of the word of god i'm going to be able to give them a word of hope a word of life and going to tell them about jesus and we go back to this. I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, when you were talking about that, I had this mental image in my mind. And as you know, I have very vivid mental images. But there's a winter sport called curling. Have you ever seen that? I have. They take this heavy thing. I don't know anything about it, but I've watched it because I'm weird. They take this heavy thing and they push it on the ice and then there are these guys with these little brooms and they're just they're they're smoothing the ice in front of in front of this thing to let it go as far as it can go and and to move any obstacles any rough spots and when you were talking about that i started thinking about how god is going through our lives and he's ahead of us arranging everything he's arranging you said 8 billion people and he's arranging all of their lives simultaneously knowing when those lives are going to intersect knowing when those lives are going to split apart knowing when they're going to begin when they're going to end and he is in control of it all and it's it's fascinating to me because when we get worried he will make your path straight he is going ahead of you and he's arranging and he's moving obstacles out of the way and he's putting other obstacles in the way to cause you to grow. He's in control of it all. He's yeah, on but that's that's the that's the part that we don't like. We don't like that <laughs> period of growth. That's so we like true. the mountaintop, man. We like shouting hallelujah and everything's yeah. going our way. 
and uh and and the psalmist said try me and test me and know my heart mm. and you know we don't we don't want to grasp a hold of that yeah. we don't want to go through that but you know the, the the interesting thing is when they were in the boat and they were going across the sea and the waves were roaring and everything seemed to be coming apart what was jesus response to the whole thing <laughs> he just said peace be still that was it. It's like we would say in Louisiana, say, it's, it's all done. It's all done. It's all done. <laughs> it's all done. And we don't like those periods of growth, Mike. Uh, I don't, after I'm through them, it's like, well, I'm glad I grew up uh, finally. Uh, <laughs> but man, those periods of mm -hmm. growth are difficult yeah. for us. Yeah. I think they're intended to be. Obviously, you can see me. The people who are listening can't see me. I don't spend much time in the gym. But there are a lot of people who do. And there's pain and there's work involved in growing. There's pain and there's work involved. But in the end comes strength. In the end comes power. And life is like that. But we lose just like the disciples. These people had walked and watched Jesus do miracles. They had listened to his words. They saw him eyeball to eyeball. They could reach out and put their hand on him. And yet... Right. The wind and the waves terrified them. Right. They even questioned whether he cared. Don't you care that we're about to die? And we do this. You've been there. I've been there. We've struggled. We've stumbled. We've hit that wall and we've said, I don't even think God's listening to me. I don't even think God cares anymore. There's something I want to throw at you here. Uh, there's a guy I love to read his work. Uh, he's from the 1600s. He was a Puritan writer. His name was Stephen Charnock. Love this guy. And in one of the, the pieces I read, he talked about a practical atheism in all of us. What he said basically is that there's a little bit of an atheist in all of us. And right. he's, he said, if you truly believed that God was who he said he was in scripture, you'd have no reason to fear. Because if you truly believed that God is who he says he is, and if you truly believed that he did everything from create the universe to holding the universe together, to cracking open the earth and letting people fall in because of his wrath, if you truly believed that he is that, then you have nothing to fear as long as you follow him. And yet we all get to that point of fear and doubt. And what did Jesus say after he said, peace be still? How is it you have so little faith? It's amazing to me, the more I learn about the names of God, the more I realize who it is that I'm trusting, who it is that I'm believing, and how little I actually play in the equation. He's got it all under control. Well, you know, Mike, and going back to that, uh, term El Shaddai, mm -hmm. uh, it's important that we realize the the all-sufficiency of God and all of the aspects that we talked about, the provider, uh, the, the conqueror, but all of that has to be compared in the same slide to our own insufficiency. And, and when we see the greatness of God to the insufficiency that we have it goes back to that idea of oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together i don't change 
how big God is, but I change how big my view of God is. There you go. And I take the magnifying glass. I'm not changing what's actually there. I'm just making it larger in my perspective. So when I magnify the Lord, when I when I'm repeating or I'm telling or I'm saying to God all of the great things that he is, I have to always contrast that to the insufficiencies that I have. My inability to do anything. Yeah. Is be- before he knew us, he loved us. Before we ever existed, he made the decision to love us. Whether wow. we love him in return or not, that's irrelevant. He made a decision then that he was going to love us. And my insufficiency and the lack of righteousness that I have in myself, you get to the point sometimes you just fall on your face and cry out to God and woe is me, I'm a sinner, I am undone. You know, we get to those points in our lives and they're great points in our lives, they're pivotal points. And we realize how much we lack and how much God has provided for us. And to walk in that relationship with him knowing that I'm not bringing anything to the table per se, and that he is putting everything, he brought the tape, he put everything <laughs> on the table. This, this whole party belongs to him. And when we see ourselves empty and we, we take into account that New Testament passage that says we are made vessels of honor that we are made fit for the master's use, that we are made fit for every good purpose and work of service. What power there is in that. But back here at the beginning, God was introducing himself and saying, I've already done this. Now you just figure it out and (laughs) we'll walk together and I will do all of these great things and you will carry out the goal the purpose of the destination that i have in your life that's amazing that is amazing you know it's it's his sufficiency his power the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and they are saved it is his power his strength this is why jeremiah was able to tell the jews is there anything too hard for god this is why the angel was able to tell mary before jesus was conceived in her body for with god nothing is impossible right all throughout scripture he's just trying to get it through our thick skulls with god all things are possible everything that was made was made through him right by him and for him and yet we doubt him well you know mike there's sometimes some days some seasons in my life where i really you know sometimes i've wonder about the existence of God. I wonder about the validity of my walk and my relationship with God. But I was I was studying the scriptures one day. I had this thought occur to me. I said, did you see the sunrise? I said, yes, I saw the sunrise. Did you see the sunset? Yes, I saw the sunset. They said, then know my child that I am still in control. Oh, wow. He established the foundations of the earth with the word. And so when I see the sun come up and I see the sunset, I know that God is still in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The God who spoke the universe into being has called us by name. What an amazing thought. 
you said it yourself, 8 billion people, and he's called you, Scott Lewis, by name. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He knows more about your situations than you'll ever know. And he loves you, and he shelters you, and he carries you through it, and he has a purpose for each and every step along the way. I am so thankful for that. You know, I think a lot of people need that encouragement in their lives. I think a lot of people have a tendency to forget the plan and the purpose of God specifically for their life. And uh, it's so much more involved than trying to live a good life and going to church on Sundays and, uh, you know, putting some money in the offering plate. But God has a plan and a purpose. Uh, And Mike, I think if we could just remind people that God has established that plan and purpose and has made us sufficient in every aspect when we're going, man, there's no way I could do this. And God's saying, peace be still. I already (laughs) took care of this. And and I I think that's just a word of encouragement that so many people are needing right now. And especially in these desperate times, who would have thought a year ago that we would be here now? But that's how quickly this can change. But in the, the process of all of that changing, God, my El Shaddai, has never changed. He is he has been the same from the very beginning. He will be the same throughout all of eternity. He is my God. He is my El Shaddai. He is my all-sufficiency. Praise the name of the Lord. I've enjoyed this so much, Scott. I want you to take a moment, because like you said, the world is in turmoil. People have spent, what, 14 months. I, I left my job at the office 14 months ago. And I've been sitting at this desk every day since then. I never thought that would happen. We never thought that we would see people dying from a plague in our time. We never thought that we'd see people fighting in our nation's capital. We never thought that we would see a lot of the things. The the political upheaval in our country has been intense, probably as intense as it's been in 150 years. And... These are things that are happening faster and faster. The Bible talks about labor pains, and I've got four kids here in the house, and I've seen some labor pains. They start off, and they're fairly mild, and they get stronger, and they get closer together, and stronger and closer together. And we are seeing the labor pains, the birthing pains, happening right before our eyes. The end times are are, are on us. We are going to see major change in our lifetime, and people are scared. People are fearing because they don't truly know who El Shaddai is. I want want you to speak directly to our audience, and I want you to share with them a word of encouragement, and then I want you to pray for them. Pray for their faith. Pray for their growth. Pray that they will grasp who he really is and that he'll change their life. Mike, uh, through this journey that we've been on uh, over these many years, Time and time again, God has proven himself faithful. Who am I that anybody would listen to me? Who am I that I could ever speak a word of encouragement? Who am I that I could ever speak a word of deliverance? Who am I that could ever say to a situation, peace? When I realize that God has already done this for me and he has made every provision necessary for me to do everything that he's called me to, 
to live a life of holiness, to live a life of godliness. He's given me a plan. He's given me a purpose. And he's organizing the events of my life. And if we will just take that moment, Mike, and believe and, and just make it, you know, and we, it's a confession. It's a testimony. God, you have orchestrated my life. You have planned my life. And I begin to give thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, for the purpose and the plan. Thank you for the for the power that you've given me to accomplish this. And Lord, I know that there's going to be obstacles, but Lord, you have overcome all of those obstacles. You've already made the provision for me. You know, <laughs> before my problem ever came along, the provision was already there. Wow. And uh, and, and and so. Uh, when when we go to the lord it's just like this lord thank you for who you are thank you for all of these multiple facets that we have yet to understand and yet to comprehend but god we place our lives in your hands we know that you care for us we know that you love us we know that there's a purpose and a destiny for us and father is uh as uncertain as these times are, as many difficulties and upheavals that we're going through, we know the God that says, peace, be still. Hallelujah. Father, we take that. We embrace that today. We make that a part of our life. We make that a part of our testimony. And Father, we just embrace that peace, be still, my God, who supplies all of my needs that cares so much about me that God can change the world through me that God can make a difference in somebody's life because of the knowledge and the power of God placed in me and thank you Lord that we have that opportunity that we can leave this place that we can give thanks and glory and honor to you that we can declare to the world around us, that we can shout to the heavens, that we can say, praise the Lord, glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. And Father, for these things, we give you praise and all of the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. El Shaddai is able to do abundantly more than we need, more than we want, more than we can even desire or imagine. God's been saying to the church and to us as individuals, Let me be your El Shaddai, for I am your almighty God. I am your all-sufficient God, and I am your God of more than enough. Scott, I am so glad that you have been with me today. This took me back to the 90s when we would sit in my driveway until the wee hours of the morning after church and just talk. I love this. Uh, We're going to do this many, many, many times, my brother. Mike, thanks for uh, having me on today. Uh, God bless you, Mike. God bless the work that you're doing. And uh, I, I just speak a blessing over you, uh, over your family, over your ministry. Uh, just the, the, little, the little bit that you are seeing right now is not even the half of what God has in store for you. So stay faithful, my friend. Be encouraged, my friend. And know that I love you. I love you too, my friend. More than you'll ever know.